All right, friends, welcome back to Nick and Dan's Bible Study Podcast. We are excited to have you with us here today. Nick and I have a lot on our minds. Um, there's always, you know, Nick, there's so much, there's so much scripture and how everything ties together. And it's like everything that we, everything that we talk about bringing up, we're like, whoa, like that's a big, that's a big subject, right? Um, and there's so much going on in our world right now that a lot of things, honestly, you know, you and I are concerned about, and um, I think our, our our biggest concern, well, I'll, I'll ask you to just comment on this quick as we started here, but my biggest concern is that God's people would not be focused all the time, really, like all the time, because even before anything that's going on right now, before any of these uh, you know, the unrest in our country ar around COVID-19, around racial stuff and all that. Before before all that, Nick, um, I was concerned about this, that the, mm. that God's people, um, disciples, his, his church, um, if we're not focused, uh, things aren't going to go well. Yeah, Dan. And and you know it's interesting this week as we start this this uh, this segment, man. I think it's probably the the first segment where we've come into it going, wow, where, where is this going to really go? Because that's that's huge. You know, I can remember two months ago, no longer than that, maybe five months ago, two different pastors coming up to me going, um, we need to start thinking about what happens when persecution comes against the church. And our church buildings are shut down. What are we going to do? In per How are we going to keep the church going under persecution, right? And then COVID-19 comes in and basically it's not persecution. It's just all of a sudden for health reasons, we shut the churches down. And and in a lot of ways, we fall apart. Like it, it really exposed that the depth, our foundation is, is just not where it needs to be. And that we're so focused on other things rather than focusing on maturity in Jesus Christ. And, and so, yeah, when persecution comes, when any disruption comes along, it, we're going to fall apart when our foundation isn't solid enough, right? Um, yeah. And and so much distracts us now. Right now, we've got pastors and, and congregations just focused on what's going on in the political world. Yesterday, the governor made an announcement about face masks and shutting down, you know, businesses again. And, you know, everybody's so focused on the fear factors, right? What are all those other things going on? That we lose sight that every single day our number one objective is to to focus on Christ, grow more like Christ, so that in any circumstance we're prepared for it, no matter what it is, and and that's how we keep the church going. That's you know by doing what he said, and that is going make disciples, teaching them every everything I've told you, right? right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and when, when we're talking about other things, we lose our we lose track. Yeah, and we've been. I think part of the realization is that we've been. We've been off track for so long, but Nick, I'm not, I'm just not sure that all of our brothers and sisters, I guess that's part of the concern. I'm not sure that all of our brothers and sisters really are seeing that right now. Like for me, this is a, this is a moment of realization that we've, we've, our focus has oftentimes been in the wrong place, but instead of now resetting, sometimes we're almost like doubling down on on where we've been off track in, in, in my thinking, I'm not, I, I guess that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Let me give a couple of, just a couple overarching examples. The examples of maybe the, the church meeting in a, in a building that we, that we set apart, like that wasn't a factor in the new Testament. Like you right. couldn't, you couldn't do any, you couldn't, it didn't matter. It didn't exist. They met in people's homes. 
Like that was it. And we talk about, you know, the give and take of things in our government and politics and our courts. And, you know, as people that live in this country, those things matter to us. But I just, I flipped through the pages of the New Testament, Nick, and I just don't see that being a primary concern that, that the government reflected their values. They just didn't seem to be all that concerned about it. Because, and I would suggest because they were so focused on what was, was most important. Right. And, and I feel like sometimes we're, we're concerned about all these things. And I'm not saying they're not causes for concern, but the, the, the root, the kind of the core that we've not been nearly as biblically founded as we need to be and is lacking. And yet we don't see that, but we're so concerned about all these other things. And, this is really, it really bothers me, Nick. I'm going to, I'll be honest about it. Well, it, and it should bother you, Dan, because again, it, and, and this is really confusing stuff, right? I mean, most people are going to have a hard time wrapping their, their head around this. So like the church, how am I going to say, I don't even know how I'm going to say this. So the church should not be talking about politics, right? And as far it, as voting for Republican, voting yeah, for Democrat, the church should not be talking about politics. What the church needs to be doing is focusing on character building of those people who have declared Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We come in, we teach people what they need to know. We teach virtue. We teach we teach the character of Christ. We teach people how to live um, in this countercultural way against society. But then they take those morals and those virtues and they go out in, into their fields, right? As police officers and as politicians and as engineers and whatever. And as they're living it out and they're being the light to the world, they're influencing the community automatically because they do care about the politics and the policies, but they're yeah. doing that in their, in their professional careers, right? The church, yeah. if the church is talking about politics, which is in my opinion, completely an error, right? And, and I mean, I, I know, no holds bar on that one, baby. In my opinion, if you're talking politics in the church, that's a complete error, error because what you need to do is if you're not preaching Jesus, if you're not, if you're not witnessing for Jesus, if you're not teaching people that there is that those passages that talk about living differently matter and you're building up character and virtue in your people that have declared Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you're not doing that, then that's the same as the way we look at, at the secular world. We shouldn't be surprised by anything the secular world does. They're not following Jesus. They're not following scripture. They, they're not intent on doing that or anything. Well, if you're not teaching your people how to do it, then they're, they're going to become just like the secular world. And we're going to sit back and go, you know, why aren't people coming to Christ? Well, people are coming to Christ because we stopped preaching Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're so, sometimes we're so concerned that, the culture at large, and some of this is maybe just something with our particular country. But hey, we're, this is where we live, and this is where we, this is where you and I minister and serve. Although we're a part of a body that's much larger than our country, every every you know every Christian has to navigate within the setting that they're that they're at, whether it be in the first century uh, Roman world or in the United States of America today, or in a different or in a different country today. But sometimes we're so concerned on the culture feeling like the culture is making God happy that we, we really have lost focus on what um, of what he's called us to be and do. And I think just the core part of that, we'll look at some scripture here in just a second. The core part of that is that we're all, we are always to be set apart from culture. Yes. So, and so like the, the language of the scripture is continually like we're set those who, 
uh, claim allegiance and faith in Jesus are set apart. We're set apart from culture, from the from everybody else around us, to be different, to be exiles, to be holy, to be separate. And yet, and and that's to be our concern. Are we being faithful? Right? Are are we faithful representatives, ambassadors of Jesus Christ, individually and as communities? Um, and it's not. It's not our responsibility specifically to make the government look nice. Like it's just not. And because the governor, the govern, the government's not made up of, of Christian believers necessarily. Like that's not a qualification of getting in. Right. And, and right. so that's why, that's why I want to be really clear on this because some, you know, some people are going to take offense to what I'm saying. And I just want to make sure that I'm clear and that they're taking offense for proper reasons, right? So I'm not saying that Christians should not go out and, and live into their calling. You know, right. I, I, I've said this before. I'm one. I was called to be an elected official. I went out, I ran, and I lived out my faith in office. I didn't try to impose my faith on others, right. but but I carried the virtues and, and, and the, the, um, the character traits that my, my following Christ has taught me, right? The things that I practice every day, the things that I've worked hard to instill so that that's what comes out of me when, when, uh, times get tough. So I'm not saying don't get involved in your community by any means. I'm simply saying the church's responsibility is to preach Jesus, the church's responsibility. And, and again, I think this has to be made clear when I say the church, for those listening, I am not talking about the pastor. The pastor's one, one part of the church yeah, certainly a teacher in the church, but we're talking about now the body of all believers, one brother, one sister to another brother, another sister, raising each other up to focus on character traits that Jesus demands of us. So, and that's going to look very different than the secular world. And then yeah. from there, it, you know, if the church is doing that well, they will change their community. They will change the politics in their community, not because they spoke of politics, but because they put people of character out on the street to go live their lives in a way that's pleasing to Christ. I, I think one of the things that's happened, Nick, and it's happened over a long, long period of time, like, like, you know, hundreds and even up to the thousands now of years of church history, but it's that we've, we've lost our kind of rooting in a scriptural view, a new Testament view of what, um, what this is. And we've kind of, we've turned church, if you will, into an institution with like, political capital or political power so that like we can, we can lobby as the church, um, uh, you know, and there's, and it's this power structures. And really we've kind of, in a sense, Nick, church has evolved, or could I say devolved into something that kind of looks like another, like another government entity, but just for, for religious people. Yeah. Right? Like just like we have a power structure in our country and countries, and, and you have to, to a certain extent, right? You have a person who's a president or king or whatever, and you have prime ministers and you have that, you know, you have these tiers, if you will, um, of government and kind of the church has gotten itself to be modeled sort of like that over the course of time. But I think it's, pr- it's pretty clear to me that when we look at the new Testament perspective, that is, n- that is not what we see. Um, to 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 be the case, um, but rather we we see something much different, much more organic, much more grassroots, if you will, kind of from the from the ground up. Uh, and so, one of our friends who uh, follows our podcast re- um, fairly regularly, 
um, said, when you guys, when Nick and Dan talk about the church, uh, you know, what do we mean? And so it's, mm. you know, it is a valid discussion because Nick, because I think what we're talking about today, like that is what we're taking kind of like is the baseline that most people think about. They think about like an institution, an entity. It has a building. It's a 5013C. It's a denomination. It has a corporate office of sorts, right? And it can, right. it can, um, could potentially hire a lobbyist if we wanted to, to get policy enacted. And, but, and so people could go there, you know, when they hear the word, um, but what is it? What is this new Testament word? Uh, the, the Greek word is ecclesia. Um, so let me just, we can look a couple places here. Um, I do, I do want to just take a look at the beginning of first Corinthians. Can, just, can I, yeah, jump in, jump in. if I don't say this, I'll die. So I have to say this out loud. All those things that you just described, you know, uh, this 501c3 and the 501c6 and hiring lobbyists and all that, that is not it. That is not what the church is intended to be. And so I'm agreeing with you, but I, I just had to say that for the record, Dan. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but, but I guess here's the question, Nick, is, is that, I mean, I mean, the, the lobbyist thing is a little bit, you know, that's whatever, but there are, you know, there is a, there are denominations that have lobbying arms right. to them uh, right. you know, politically. But I think the question is, I guess and the question is for those of you who are watching or listening right now is when you think of the church, what do you think of? Like what comes, what comes to to your mind, and even just pause this for a second if you if you know if it would be helpful and just think about that. Jot down a note, um, you know what is it? But be, because we've inherited a lot of baggage over the years, um, we've we we kind of aren't always clear on what the church is. We're not clear on what, it, what a Christian is, Nick, sometimes. That's why I prefer to use the word disciple to, to Christian, because yes. I think it has a different focus. Yeah. And you I, know, we, you know, again, I, I would say I choose to use the word maturity rather than leadership, you know, yeah. um, because it is, it's a different focus. It's a different type of organization, the gathering of the people. Um, and as you alluded to earlier, it's, it's not about a building it, because it wasn't about a building in the early church. Um, it's, it's a gathering of people and each one of us that are followers of Christ has a responsibility to learn and grow and increase our depth of knowledge. Um, and, and scripture is very clear about that. And, uh, you know, another misconception is this idea where, um, all the responsibilities of the church fall on the pastor. There's no responsibility on the people. Well, that is not scriptural. That is not the gathering, you know, declared in, in scripture. Um, and so it's important to have this discussion, but go ahead. You were going to read, you were going to actually, actually read. It's actually, it's, it's interesting though, Nick, and here's something that I was, I mean, it was brought to my attention in a way that's obvious fairly recently since something that I read or heard or whatever, but the, the new Testament on the whole, a lot of it isn't, isn't even, however you want to say it, leader, elder, whatever, like centric. So for, for example, most of the letters of the, of the new Testament. So I'm going to read it just a couple of verses from the beginning of first Corinthians, but first Corinthians, second Corinthians, like all these letters, if they were all, all we had, we would have almost no idea about specificity of leadership, if you will, right? These letters are written to the whole body, right? Right. The, the, the kind of focus, if you will, the priority in the new Testament is, is disciples of Jesus that are gathered into a body. 
Now, yes, there are those that are responsible for the making sure that we stay on track, right? That's, that's the elder stuff, right? right. Like if, if something's getting off, okay, you guys are tasked to kind of keep it within the rails, but it's not, a, it's not a top down, right? It's not a hierarchy centric kind of thing where it's like, well, this person, you know, like, but I just want to say, for example, this letter of to, to Corinth, Paul did not write this letter to a particular person in Corinth. Right. He did not write it even to a particular group of leaders. He wrote this letter to the people, to the gathering, to the ecclesia, to the church. And it was intended not to be like, it wasn't like one person read it and kind of like edited out the stuff or vetted it or whatever, right? It was read to the whole body. Mm. And we need this. And this is important to our friends here because we have a lot of friends, Nick, that are in our in our listening group here, in our watching group, that might not have a position, if you will. And sometimes, you know, we sort of think, well, who am I? I'm a, I'm a nobody in the church, so to speak, right? Like I don't yeah. have a role. I don't have a platform. I don't have a whatever. And the point is that that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. You, you are, you are together with all of your brothers and sisters, the core building block, if you will, of what God is doing. And, and Dan, it's, it's important. And I'm going to share an experience with you. Um, it's important that, that our listeners, again, no matter how mature you are in Jesus, whether you're just seeking, whether you're, you know, whatever you're new to the church, these letters are written to you. And so this past Sunday, my, my pastor got up and the entire message that there was no, like what we, many of us would think of as a sermon where, you know, there were teaching elements or whatever. The entire message was, um, she got up and, and she read one of the letters and she told everybody it, Paul is writing to you. I'm going to read this letter now. And I want you to respond with the pieces of it that convict. So it was to some degree intended to be interactive, but all she did was she got up and she started reading through the letter. And, and all of a sudden, even I'm sitting out there going, uh, like, I find myself listening to that letter differently because of the way it was presented. Like when someone says this letter, he wrote this letter for your ears, for you to hear, because it's important for you to understand this. And now all of a sudden it's like, you're taking ownership of it, right? Mm. You're not reading it for knowledge anymore. You're, you're, you're reading it when it says, you know, I'm looking down here at my Bible, set aside all forms of malice and hypocrisy, Nick DeFrancesco, right? <laughs> set, right? Set aside, like all of a sudden I'm taking it, I'm internalizing it. This is what I'm called to do. Yeah. Right. And it's so like, it's tough because there's different, there's different aspects or layers to our Bible study. So we, you know, we, we want to. On the one hand, we want to dig in. We want to try to discern what was going on in the church in Corinth, you know, at that time. And what was the situation? What exactly is he addressing? Like, we we want to do that. Right. But the problem is, if we only do that, right. then it only becomes about him telling them about putting, putting aside malice and only him telling them about whatever. And it ceases to be God's word for us. And so that's and, important. It, it is important. And, and, and you're right, Dan, both sides are important because if, if you do what I say, right, what I just shared with you, if you just read the letter as if it was written to me and I don't think about the context it was written in, you lose sight of the fact that 
these people were living at a time where if a Roman soldier came up to you and just killed you for no reason at all, that's okay. If you weren't a Roman citizen. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you weren't a Roman citizen, you know, right. so, you know, it's okay. Uh, accidents right. happen. The sword slipped and you know, whatever. Yeah. I, so don't think for a moment that their society was in any way better than our society. Um, it was a lot worse. Right. So if he's saying to these people, live a life pleasing that nobody can, you know, can chastise you or, or, or mischaracterize you, whatever it might be. Yeah. My goodness, that was under much worse conditions. So don't tell me that in this society that we're living in now with the freedoms that we have, that that doesn't apply to you. You got to understand both ends of that. You got to understand what the time was like when he was writing it in order to gain perspective. But then you right. also have to understand it wasn't just written to them. It was also written to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to it. And hopefully yeah. we can do, you know, some justice to that in our, in our thing and our stuff sort of uh, along the way, but it is, but it's important that we stay, we stay focused. That's part of our, our kind of ongoing discussion. So let me just kind of give a little bit of context to, uh, to church and to ourselves because Nick, again, we want to, we want to keep that focus, right? We want us to be focused. We want to focus on biblically what church is, but we also want to focus on biblically who are we? Um, who are we? And 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 that's gonna that's gonna strongly affect how we think about how we interact in culture in our in our country as citizens and what we feel like is important. Which is just gonna be that's gonna be an ongoing probably thing that we just kind of weave in and out of really, right? Right. I mean, that's what this is about. So we're, we're wrestling with these things. So, so all of you that listen can wrestle with them as well. Where yeah. are you? I'm in First Peter. You're not. You're in First Corinthians, right? I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there right now. I'm uh, right now. I'm going to start in first Corinthians. Okay. At the very beginning. So you can just, you can just listen along if you want. And then I'm going to flip over to first Peter. Um, okay. Wait a little while. Um, so he, he says here at the beginning, and I, and I only use this because it's kind of a, it's a typical be beginning, but it sets out, it reminds us of these kind of core, uh, these kind of core things about, uh, about who we are. So this is Paul writing. He says to the church of God in Corinth. So church is this word ecclesia. We already said that. It simply and basically means that, you know, at the at the core, at the baseline, it means an assembly. It's an assembly. It's the gathering together uh, of certain people who he's going to say here in a second who they are. And then as we flip over to First Peter in a minute, we'll see kind of their relationship to the culture at large. So there's kind of three pieces to this, Nick, if you will, right? There's the there's the who the church is, who it's made up of. And then our relationship individually and collectively to the larger world, if you will. I think right. all three of those pieces are, are pretty important. So when I say church anyway, uh, I have in mind primarily this Greek word ecclesia, which means assembly. It's not about the building. We know that, right? Because they didn't have a building. Um, it's not even about so much the time or the place, but it is about the gather. It is about a gathering. You can't have ecclesia all by yourself, right? It's right. a gathering. It's an, it's an assembly. Um, and, and now, so he says the, the, basically the gathering together of these particular people, um, God's people in this particular town. And it's cool because Nick, that's where in our, in our body, the churches of God. That's where John Weinberger got this. He saw all, he saw these letters and he said, well, that's what Paul called them. Why don't we just go with the biblical thing instead of having like all these names and stuff, right? Mm. So like the New Cumberland Church of God is like the Church of God in New Cumberland or the Church of God in, in Corinth, right? Kind of 
kind of basic deal. So it's the it's the assemble. It's the it's the uh, collective of these particular people. Now, other places, Paul. I'm talking primarily about like Ephesians and Colossians. We'll talk about the bigger, uh, bigger picture church, if you will. So Christ died for the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Hmm. So that's obviously bigger, right? And so sometimes we say that like you're always doing the letters, right? Big C, little C, kind of whatever. Like sometimes he uses it collectively like the whole the whole big the big picture all of jesus's people um but most of the time it's these local assemblies we sometimes call them congregations right they're congregating they're these different people that are getting getting together and what happens there is another discussion right because right. that's, that's a big that's another big one uh but he further clarifies the people to those sanctified or set apart in Christ Jesus called to be his holy people. Now this is our this is already we don't we don't even need really Nick first Peter for for this in a sense because what does it mean to be holy? Um we, we don't we're not good with this really because we think about holy as being like especially awesome. Right? <laughs> uh or in the King James, this is the saints to the saints, but we think about saints still capital S, right? You come right. from a Roman Catholic background way back then. You guys had a lot of saints yep, um, and others do as well too. But the saints, if you will, is simply um, to be holy. means to be set apart for God's purpose. So it's the people, you know, who are those people, Nick, right? Those who, believe in Jesus, who who confess him as Lord, as King, as Messiah, believe that he died for them and rose again, were allegiant to him. He's our King, hmm. not the King of England, not the President of the United States, Jesus Christ, right? That's right. Nick. This is, this is political stuff, <laughs> not in the sense you're talking about. Well, it was, it was definitely political stuff in the Roman world. Right. Not partisan politics. Right. But it's it's ultimate allegiance. And so we're we're set apart. We're not prime our primary our primary identity cannot be associated with the country that we're citizens of. Correct. It can't be. Because Nick, there's many, many people in our country and every country who are not set apart as God's holy people. They're they've not claimed allegiance. To Jesus Christ above all else. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I hope that, and I hope for people that makes, you know, that 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 makes sense, um, and it's important. So that's that's baseline for me when I when I talk about um, uh, church. You know, is uh, ecclesia is the is the gathering, uh, the assembly. It happened in the, in the Old Testament as well, too, when, when Israel got together to read the law together. They got together to repent together. It was that gathering, the assembly. But it's, it's different. It's more robust in the, in, the New Testament, um, in the New Testament time. So any thoughts before we flip over to 1 Peter and kind of pull that in? Um, no, because first Peter's going to get to the, how we live piece of it. So that's, 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's, what does it mean to be set apart? Well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So let's, you know, and, and maybe in the essence of time, we kind of, we begin more at the beginning here and talk about, um, and, and, and talk about this, this piece relative to kind of where we sit in the, lar- in the larger culture. And then maybe we dive being 20 minutes in here now already. Maybe we dive in next week and in our live discussion into more of that, how we kind of live that out. But, you know, Peter uh, begins his letter of first Peter, you know, in a similar way to what Paul does, what we just looked at in, in, in Corinthians and in other places as well, too. Uh, Peter, chapter one, verse one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect. That's, you know, other language, but with a similar idea to God's chosen people, right, that were set, set apart. We're going to look at probably another time, given our time today, Nick, but you are a, a holy people, a royal priesthood. Mm-hmm. We'll see that, that again, the holy people we saw in just in Corinthians a second ago, set apart, you're set apart people. So here at the beginning of first Peter, he says, uh, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout these different places that he, uh, that he mentions there who have been. So what, what do you think? And what's your thoughts, Nick, in terms of that exile term? What does that mean as far as maybe how we're to feel about how we sit as, as God set apart people? in the larger kind of culture and context that we find ourselves, how might, what, what might that mean about how we relate as these holy set apart, allegiant to Jesus people that gather together? Um, we've, we've not talked about, you know, what that gathering, you know, looks like we can, we could go into there another day soon. Um, but what is this, what does this exile piece look like? So, it, it really, you know, for me, it, it really stresses this idea that we live by a different standard, right? So it's, it, it goes back to something I like to talk about all the time, no matter what the landscape, no matter where you are, these were, these were people who were, were, um, dispersed from their homeland. They were, um, uh, exiled and they went to live in other places. So to some degree, it could be truly that they are aliens in the area that they're living. They're new to it. Yeah. But in another, on another, yeah, it's, it's so much more than that because it's, it's really that, that no matter where you're living, our standard is kingdom standard. It's God's standard. So, you know, when, when, and again, I'm dying to get to this other piece and now I'm not, I'm worried we're not going to get to it today because let's just go to it it right now then. Yeah. Because it, it plays into this discussion when it, when they remember when they, when he says lives, live as aliens, he's telling you to live by a different standard. He's telling you to, to not do the eye to eye, eye for eye thing. He's telling you not to do whatever the standards of the secular society is. And that goes back to a lot of what we talked about earlier. It's like, look, the world in America can get embroiled in politics right now because it's a presidential election season. We can get embroiled in politics because we have COVID-19 and we have the freedom to not wear masks or wear masks. We can get embroiled on these things. No matter what circumstances going on, we are called to live by a different standard. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, what this passage says is you do not, you're violating scripture. I don't want to say you don't have the right. You certainly have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Um, 
to follow Christ or not follow Christ when I say that. So let's be very clear. You have the freedom to not follow Christ. But if you're going to follow Christ, Scripture is very clear about how that is. And you cannot justify acting against Scripture just because it's the American way to get involved in this divisive nature. That's yeah. the alien, right? That's the live your life honorably. Um, yeah. Where is it? Now I've lost it. Uh, honor the governors. Where is it? <laughs> oh, so we're in... Uh... We're in uh, first two. Peter chapter two here. Um, you talking yeah, about the 13? Yep. So, so again, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be an emperor as supreme um, or to governors as to uh, sent by him to punish those who do evil. Um what do I want to say here? Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. He's he's saying, like, in, and in this context, he's actually saying, honor that person that persecutes you, right? Go out and live an honorable life. Don't get embroiled in all this other stuff that's going on so that people can't point at you and and and, you know, basically call you out for being just like everybody else. You're supposed to be the light of the world. Right. right. And again, yeah. it goes, it goes back to that nature. Like you cannot follow Jesus Christ and discount these passages. You cannot. And, and Dan, you said this either on last Tuesday's discussion or the week before you can't be a Republican Christian or a Democrat Christian, right? You have to be a Christian above all things. You have to be a God fearing kingdom bound Christian first with the character of Jesus. And then of course you do get involved in, in the things in your community and so forth. Right. But scripture specifically says you're not going to be part of that division. You're not going to get called into that because yeah. you have to live to a higher standard. Yeah. And I think that part of the thing, it was almost, it wasn't better, but it was different for them almost having, they had no voice really in government. You know, we have a, we have a tricky thing because we, we see what, you know, what can be better or worse and stuff based on different sort of things. Well, they, they didn't really have a voice. So it was actually, in a sense, it was easier for them to stay focused though. Well, did, they, they, they didn't focused. have a voice. I mean, I, well, I, I, I would mean, argue, I would argue to a degree that Paul had a voice as a Roman citizen. Right. So, I mean, but how much, but I mean, the, well, the, 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 the emperor said, this hey, is enough how to not is. die. <laughs> he, he had, he had right to not be, to not be, uh, crucified yeah <laughs> right i mean you know so but you know it, it's an interesting thing though nick because and i read something something recently that i at first i resonated with and a person said so i forgot where it was somewhere online but basically said i feel p politically homeless as a christian because neither one of the parties really aligns with all of my values and whatever and the, and the people and this and that and part of the response was was that well, why are you trying to find a place where you feel at home? You're not to be at home in this world. Right, exactly. Like so it's like we need we need a gut check with that. Like is what we're cuz if if what we're really after can be accomplished by secular government, if you will, that's not that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is God is God's doing. It's not from this it's not from the ways of this world. Um and we're not going to be at home. There there is going to be no at home. We can't we're never going to be able to just sit back and rest and say, oh, thank thank goodness we have all the right people now in office and we have all the right laws and everything is just as God wants it to be. It's not ever going to happen. Right. And and I'm going to use I'm going to use an example. Um, 
because it's a passionate issue for me, but, and, and I know it's a passionate issue for a lot of other people, you know, the abortion issue in America, right? Um, because a lot of people would argue the church needs to be, you know, whatever, formally outspoken on that issue. And, and we need to be political on that issue and all that sort of thing. Um, but statistically, and I wish I can remember the numbers, I should have brought them with me statistically. Um, when I was in office and, and that issue would be polled and I know a lot of people don't like polls, but it, it kind of gives you a snapshot on society. At that time, there were still an overwhelming amount of people who would declare that abortion is not right for me. I would never have an abortion, right? And it was a very high number. It might have been 80% that said it's not for me, right? But literally, we got to the point where in the secular world, those same people who were so overwhelmingly opposed to abortion said, but I'm not going to impose my view on other people. And therefore, actually, when we, you know, the poll would reflect that better than 50% said, that abortion should not be outlawed. So now you've got this overwhelming majority of people who say it's not right for me, but I'm not going to impose it on somebody else. So because of the the standard that was set by our community, we all know abortion is probably one of the biggest, biggest challenges. um, One of the most probably immoral standards set in America today, right? Do you want to change? Do you want to change and have a real impact on abortion? Because if you do, then what churches should be doing is building up the value of human life within their congregation members, building up that character quality within their members, because as they go out and become part of the community, they are going to impact the policy. If you, if you are able, if you are able politically to leverage a law and make it illegal, you really haven't accomplished anything because it's still going to continue to happen. And we've seen that in our past. I mean, churches need to be focused on the moral fabric of the human being. And that's when we lose sight of that, the whole thing collapses. Yeah. And, and how we can actually make a difference because sometimes too, we're so, we're so concerned about public policy. We don't realize we can make a difference now by loving people, by caring for people, by coming alongside people in difficult circumstances, perhaps potentially with unwanted pregnancies to ha- to have our, our gatherings, our community be a place where people who are hurting and struggling can go and be supported and be financially helped a bit, you know, and encouraged and whatever we can do that now. But sometimes I would argue again, when we're focused, we can do and be who God's called us to be. When we're unfocused, we're so, we're so our attention is on other things and, you know, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have good laws, you know, you and I aren't saying that either, but, but if that's where your focus is and it's, and it's decades of not happening, all of that time when we could be focused on really what God has called, who God call, has called us to be and what he's called us to do as his people. Um, when we start there, we could also, Nick, do all that other stuff. We could do all that political engagement with a lot more humility and probably a lot more impact. Well, if yeah, we, it would be because we, we wouldn't. If we were acting like Jesus. If we have faith, if we have faith in God, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, as we say we do as the church, then we're going to have faith in what he told us to do. And at no point are we going to say we have a better plan, right? So if we, if we invest where the gathering is intended to invest, and that's becoming mature disciples of Jesus, we're not talking about politics, but we're changing the world. So Christ set out on a mission, a three-year mission, to pour into 12 disciples. And those disciples launched a church after his death and resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit that changed the world, the known world at that time. And they did it the way he told them to do it. They didn't, they didn't start studying the ways of Rome. They didn't go out and get law degrees. They didn't go out and, and, and get involved in politics. 
They focused on what they were called to do and they changed the world. Somewhere along the line, whether it be in America or in Europe before it came over here or whatever it might be, we decided that we have to get involved in secular play in the secular chess game in order to change the world. When in fact, if we would double down and really focus our attention on, on teaching the things that Christ taught us to teach, we'd be impacting the masses and we would change the world in our country and, and we would change the world. But yeah. the problem is pastors, churches, gatherings, they don't have faith anymore in what he has told us to do. By their actions, they don't have faith anymore because they talk about things like Marxism and social justice and all these catchphrases that are out there today. Well, if we'd stop talking about all that stuff that the secular world's driving us to and stop getting distracted on what the secular world's trying to pull us off our game, and if we'd get focused back on scripture and do the things that Christ called us to do, we would see that world change that we want. Well, Nick, and, and I think this is important, and, and we'll, we'll wrap up here in just a couple minutes, but um, this is important because that is, I, I think we can see that, that that is how God is intended to work through his people really from from way, 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 way back in the, in the whole Old Testament story, but they messed it up. And I would suggest a lot of times we're messing it up. So mm-hmm. he, what, what he intended through his covenant people under the old covenant was that his focus, his love for them and the, the character transformation that Israel, his people demonstrated to the world would draw them in, right? That, that the, all the nations and their other gods, they would look at the, the, the faithfulness and the, the goodness that God's people in allegiance to him and loving one another and the justice amongst their community and those things that it would be, it would be so appealing um, that other people would say, how do we get that? Mm. You know, how can we make laws that are like that? Because I see how good you guys have it. Well, they didn't do that. Right. They messed it up. So now we have the, we have the new covenant. Like we have the power of the Holy spirit. We have the forgiveness. We have the, uh, the discipleship, the teaching of Jesus. And it's, and it's this, it's the same thing, but more, we have more resources and that we're supposed to, to now be not just one nation, but his people scattered around the world as disciples, but gathered together, assembled as ecclesias, churches, congregations, so that our town, right. Would see, the church, you know, the church of God in Corinth would show Corinth how good God is, how good right. Jesus is. And yes, say, yes. We want that too. We want let's make our let's make our town look like that, right? In all these other places. So it's like Israel, what they were supposed to do, we're supposed to do now around the whole world. But instead of focusing on going going all in wholeheartedly, right, on this discipleship thing, so that. Our coworkers, our neighbors, our towns, our country would see how good it is and say, yes, we want that too. You know, and instead we're pushing ball uphill because we're saying, you know, just do this. And I don't know. We, we, I don't, turned, off, we turned off the light switch and let the darkness win. Uh, you know, come on. We yeah. got to stop doing that. But it's, I mean, people are, you know, we're, we're wanting this change in our culture, but they're not seeing the goodness in us. Yeah. And, and, and again, well, yeah, you're right. They're not. And the sad part is if you, if you really want to, if you really want to get down to the basics, uh, um, Dan, 
a lot of our churches no longer have faith in the scriptures. And that's, that's a tough, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough issue. But the bottom line is if you have faith in the scripture, then you're going to act the way they tell you to. If you don't act the way they're telling you to, then you really don't have faith in them. Yeah. So yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Absolutely. John 14, 15. And you certainly won't get caught up in the political chess game in America and the United States in 2020. You're not going to get caught up in that. You're going to get caught up in the scripture and you're going to follow your calling and you may be involved, but that's not your main goal. Your main goal is going to be carrying out with character, without hypocrisy, the things that he taught us to do and and the Holy word of God tells us to do. And I, I just, I just think there's, there's an irony, Nick though, because I think we would accomplish so much more of what we want to in the, again, like the, 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 culture, the countries, whatever, aren't ever, they're not ever going to be the kingdom of God until he brings it in its, in its fullness. Right. I think the irony though, is that if we would, if we would focus on Jesus, if we would focus on discipleship, our ecclesias, our congregations would look a lot better, a lot healthier. Hmm. And I think us individually and collectively would accomplish so much, so much more in our communities, in our culture. But when we, when we focus in the wrong place, nothing happens. It's, right. it's like when, when, when congregations, when it focus on keeping the, and again, we've, we've said in the Bible, there is no doors, um, you know, on the ecclesia, so to speak. But when we focus on keeping our doors open, the opposite happens. But when we focus on living out who he's called us to be, then the, the other results happen. Right when we when, when we focus on trying to trying so hard to enforce on the culture, it does not work. It hasn't worked. Right. We have failed. The moral majority failed. It yes. just failed. Yes, it's the opposite. The opposite of what people wanted happened. But if instead we would focus and go all in on our discipleship to Jesus to lay down our lives for other people, we would. I think we would accomplish so much more of that goal that we want to change our culture. Yeah, not only do you think that, Dan, I think that, but you know who else thinks that? God thinks that too, because that's the word he gave us. <laughs> so we've given our, our listeners plenty to um, chew on, plenty to attack us with on Tuesday. Um, and we, we can continue the conversation on Tuesday as we come back together. This was this was actually a pretty good discussion. And like we started this or this 45 minutes, you know, we started it by saying, we're not sure where this conversation is going to go. And it, it, it took some turns. Um, conversations have been wide ranging, but Hey, it's, you know what, Nick, we're not, we can do whatever we want to do. <laughs> That's it. And the whole point of this is that we're wrestling with this stuff too, right? Yeah. A lot of what we do is driven by what we see. And when we see, you know, things that are inconsistent with scripture, possibly hypocrisy, possibly false teaching, it drives us to want to talk about it and really dig into it a bit deeper through the scriptures. So that's where we are. Um, and I look forward to the conversation on Tuesday and hope that, uh, those that listen to this will come and engage with us. Um, we know that, you know, sometimes there's conflict and that's great, but just know we truly enjoy that Tuesday, um, follow-up to these podcasts. So, you know, join us on Tuesday at two o'clock for the follow-up, Dan. I didn't offend you yet. I don't know how we're gonna. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So no, it's good. It's, it's big discussion, big stuff. So we went a lot of places, uh, but we'll see you guys. Please join us Tuesday at two. If you can share this, if you found it interesting or helpful or provocative or whatever, Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Take care.